Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me are John Celentano, our business editor, and Jay Sharp-Smith, our technology editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. In fact, our second quarterly report is available now. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit InsideTowers.com slash intelligence. And our first story this week uh, involved broadcasters saying to the FCC they intend to keep paying their fair share of annual regulatory fees, but they want other communication sectors like broadband providers to pay their fair share too. The National Association of Broadcasters told the FCC it should overhaul its formula and add a category for broadband providers or exempt broadcasters from paying for broadband costs because it says it doesn't see any benefit from that. It says broadband providers take up a lot of the FCC's time, yet they're not shouldering their responsibility there. Um, The broadcast lobby said the FCC's notice of proposed rulemaking on this subject is a welcome step in determining how big tech companies like Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, and Google might pay their fair shares of regulatory fees. And Sharp, you're going to talk to us about a satellite story. Thank you, Leslie. Uh, This story titled Global Mobile Satellite uh, Companies Made Strides in 2021 is based off of an interview that occurred at the Rakuten Optimism Conference with uh, the head of AST Space Mobile, uh, Chairman and CEO Abel Avalon, and he gave an upbeat assessment of uh, of the company's uh, progress. And the reason I thought this was interesting was uh, I don't think people really have a, uh, an idea just how much progress has been made in uh, the technology of beaming using a low earth orbit satellite to uh, to uh, communicate directly to a cell phone. In other words, a cell phone uh, could be using a terrestrial system uh, one moment and you drive out of uh, the distance of, uh, of any cell coverage, as we call it, it immediately uh, gets picked up by a LEO satellite. And uh, there are actually three companies that are um, providing or are working on this service. And uh, uh, I'd say AST is probably maybe the highest profile one. Uh, Avalon talked about that they had uh, they'd raised money this year and they'd signed uh, agreements with uh, several uh, several uh, terrestrial mobile companies, which will 
help them get access to uh, six different countries. Um, they now have access to 1.6 billion subscribers. And um, I think, I think what's, uh, well, what's, I'll go there um, in a moment, but uh, the, uh, the other big news from this year uh, has been that a company called uh, uh, Link Global uh, sent the first text from space and uh, uh, OmniSpace and uh, Vulcan Wireless uh, also uh, used an S-band non-geostationary satellite to, uh, uh, to confirm their, their technology. So it looks like there's three, three possibilities as far as uh, companies employing this type of network. And uh, so really what, uh, what we have is we have a situation where I think eventually the, uh, every, every mobile operator, terrestrial mobile operator will have a relationship with a LEO satellite provider. And if, you're, uh, if your phone gets out of distance from, uh, from their network, it will roam onto a satellite system as opposed to another terrestrial uh, uh, network. So I think it's early days. Uh, companies claim that the market will be anywhere from 300 billion to $1 trillion a year. Uh, we've heard estimates like that before, so we'll, we won't put any of that money in the bank yet, but uh, it's, um, it's interesting, and uh, I think it's something that a lot, not a lot of people know is going on. That's interesting, Sharp. Thank you. So opponents to NAB's proposal to reconfigure um, the FCC's regulatory fee structure struck back hard. Uh, they called it dangerous to the entire wireless ecosystem. A coalition of eight lobbying associations, including the Benton Institute for Broadband and Society um, and the Broadband Coalition, argued that NEB's proposal to require unlicensed spectrum users to pay regulatory fees is flawed, infeasible, and would be hard to enforce. Um, together, the organizations call themselves the Public Interest Spectrum Coalition, and they told the FCC, nobody likes paying regulatory fees. Um, they claim that the broadcasters um, have become powerful and wealthy by exploiting their exclusive access to scarce licensed spectrum. Um, they did note they received their grants of spectrum prior to FCC auctions. Remember, this was decades ago. Um, they said, members said, even if the fee were imposed, it would be impossible to administer. Um, the Wi-Fi Alliance calls FCC auctions a great commission success story and the fact that um, it, it allows people to use unlicensed spectrum. And they said unlicensed spectrum is the predominant means by which Americans and others access the internet. Um, the Wireless Internet Service Providers Association said the proposal ignores the fact that unlicensed users do contribute to the Office of Engineering and Technology's work through equipment certification fees. 
they agreed with the coalition that changing the fee structure would be unpre unprecedented, um, arbitrary, and capricious. And that leads us to another story from you, Sharp, this one about 5G. Yes, just one more reason to love 5G. This one, in this case, it's, a, uh, it's an MIT Technology Review uh, Insight article that they co-authored with Ericsson that uh, discussed the ways that uh, 5G actually makes industries more efficient. And the more efficient industries are, the lower their carbon footprint is. Uh, the quote from the piece is, corporations must redouble their greenhouse gas emissions um, and removal efforts with speed and, and precision. But to do this, they must also commit to deep operational and organizational transformation. 5G and other cellular technology can enable increasingly interconnected supply chains and networks, improving data sharing, optimizing networks, and increasing operational efficiency. And they went on to say that industries really that, that will be positively affected by 5G really just span the gamut from energy, manufacturing, transportation, really some of the biggest polluters that we have. And by becoming more efficient, all of these industries can reduce their carbon emissions. And there's also a white paper, Decarbonizing Industries with Connectivity in 5G, published by MIT and Ericsson, that you can, uh, you can look at to find out more about this important topic. All right, now that takes us to one of the most important stories of the week. President Joe Biden nominated acting FCC chair Jessica Rosenworcel to chair the FCC. It makes her the first woman to chair the almost 100-year agency, according to the White House. He, uh, Biden also nominated former FCC official Gigi Sohn to the open Democratic seat and attorney Alan Davidson to head the NTIA. Rosenworcel said she was deeply humbled um, she said, it is an honor to work with my colleagues on the commission and the agency's talented staff to ensure that no matter who you are or where you live, everyone has the connections they need to live, work, and learn in the digital age. The nominations would give the Democrats a majority on the five-person FCC panel for the first time during Biden's pres presidency that ends a 2-2 deadlock that has stymied much of the progressive agenda for the agency. But even though Rosenworcel is chair now, the clock is ticking because the Senate has to confirm her to a new five-year term and confirm both Sohn and Davidson. The reason it's urgent for Rosenworcel is because her term lapsed in 2020, um, which means she must leave at the end of this year unless she is confirmed to another five-year term. One of the reasons Politico was reporting for the delay in the nomination was early on, the Congressional Black Caucus had supported Commissioner Jeffrey Starks for the lead job. Its head member, Representative Jim Clyburn, a Democrat of South Carolina, was instrumental in Biden's election. All of the 
industry uh, associations were very pleased and all said that they looked forward to working with everyone. And then that brings us to, I gotta open this again. Okay, so da -da -da -da. that brings us to another important story from this week, Amazon's 10 billion with a B dollar satellite venture Kuiper is getting a 4G slash LTE and 5G boost from Verizon. That's according to The Verge. The two companies have teamed up to expand coverage to remote areas of the globe with Kuiper satellites providing connectivity to future Verizon cell towers. Um, an Amazon executive said in a statement, there are billions of people without reliable broadband access and no single company will close the digital divide. Verizon is a leader in wireless technology and infrastructure, and we are proud to be working together. Um, and John, that brings us to you. Close us out. Well, thanks, Leslie. Uh, we had an article on Friday titled, American Tower Rocks Double-Digit Growth. American Tower reported its third quarter 2021 results with double-digit growth across all key metrics that include uh, property revenues, adjusted EBITDA, and adjusted funds from operation on a year-over-year -year basis. American Tower is the world's largest independent tower company. Its global portfolio grew to 217,000 towers, up nearly 38,000, or 21% over the 179,000 at the end of uh, third quarter 2020. It's important to note that American Tower derived 52% of its property revenues from its domestic market, where it owns and operates just 20% of its towers. The company sees significant upside opportunities in international markets and is adhering to its macro tower first philosophy on the assumption that network expansion for the foreseeable future will rely on towers. American Tower is the world's largest tower company. Its growth has been driven by acquisitions, including Insight in the fourth quarter of 2020 and Telesis and new builds this year, uh, over 4,400 so far, mainly in India and Africa. Domestic market towers grew 6% to nearly 43,000, mainly on acquisitions. Most of the portfolio growth was in international markets. The company is maintaining its new build programs in these markets to support mobile data demand. To keep up with that demand, American Towers mobile network operator customers are expanding and upgrading their networks mainly to 4G with 5G to follow. American Towers providing a midpoint guidance of 7,000 new tower builds for full year 2021 and is projecting 40 to 50,000 towers new tower builds globally over the next five years. It's a great company and uh, one of the, the flagship companies in this uh, sector, uh, wireless infrastructure. We continue to watch it closely, Leslie. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Inside Towers Week in Review. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.